Good morning, everybody. It's Mary Beckman, your rock and roll psychic. I'm filling in today for Gary and Suzanne on the Manson Mitchell Show. Oh, my gosh. It's kind of a yucky day out here in Bellevue, but we're going to do our our very best to bring you something really exciting today. So I'm lucky to have Benny here with me as my co-pilot. Hi, Derek. Welcome back. Thank you. And Tom is in the call booth, and I think you guys are going to want to call in and ask some questions of my guest today. So I will be speaking with the Rev. This is Sean Whittington. I'm going to have him on in a minute. Really exciting to talk to Reverend Sean Whittington. Oh, my gosh. All the way from Las Vegas. And so the numbers, if you want to talk to him, because he's a Ghostbuster, so the numbers are 425-373-5527 or 888-298-5569. Hold your calls, though, because it'll be in the last maybe 20 minutes or so of the show today. We've got a lot to talk about with him. Uh, You know, I want to just tell you that I am excited to be part of the Emerald Spiral Fair this weekend. It happens twice a year. You guys probably know about this. It happens in Kent at the Commons beautiful downtown Kent. So it's the largest metaphysical expo in our area. So people come from other states, Idaho and California and Oregon, to take part in this. So it's a pretty big deal. 525 4th Avenue North in Kent at the Commons. It's free to get in. There's classes all day. Uh, Just come and visit me. I'm near the door or in the kind of in the corner. I'm not sure where they have me this time, but come and see Sandy and me. I'll be sitting with Sandy McNaughton. And uh, lots of buddies down there, and I've been doing it for years, so please come by if you can. So, you know, without a lot of uh, extra talk, I just want to really get into talking to Sean this morning. So he's here, as I said, from Las Vegas. He's a ordained exorcism and deliverance minister, a ghostbuster, a lecturer and teacher of paranormal studies. He's the author of God ghosts, and the paranormal ministry. And you can hear him on KCOR radio uh, on the internet every Monday night since uh, 2016. So he had me on his program a while back, and I had a ton of fun talking to him. He's got some great stories. Uh, He and his wife, Sharon, founded Ghost Be Gone, which is a spiritual warfare service. And I read Sean's book in the summertime because I thought I was going to interview him uh, before, earlier in the year. And it actually kind of scared me, and I ain't afraid of no ghosts. So uh, before we started today, you know, I feel like I'm pretty lucky. I called in my beautiful guides, Master Jesus, Lord Sananda, Nostradamus, and Mr. Tesla. (laughs) So everybody's here, just in case. (laughs) So how are you, Sean? Welcome. I am doing really good, and that's quite an audience that you brought in to to listen to us today. (laughs) Yes, sir. Also, Archangel Michael... Uh, you know, all day. <laughs> Star- staring right at his picture as we speak. <laughs> yeah, he's our guy. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm really glad that you were able to do this with uh, with me this morning. So, you know, I want you to just tell us about how in the world did you get into this business anyway? Well, let me start by saying I'm so boring. Who would want to ask me questions? <laughs> no, you're not. Well, I wear my emotions on my sleeve, and I'm an open book, so uh, anybody that wants to call in and ask me anything, um, I'm game. And uh, how I got into this, oh my gosh, I know your show's only an hour, so I'll give you the abridged version. I always think of the term kicking and screaming, because where I'm at today uh, doing what I do, I would have never thought, even 15 years ago, I would have never thought I would be doing what I'm doing. And I did pretty much get drug into it, kicking and screaming. But let me throw it into reverse real quick here. I have to throw in a little bit of my father's background. He comes from a long line of warriors for Christ, dating way back into um, the UK and Europe. He was a 25-year retired master chief from the Navy. He served both in World War II and Korea. Purple Heart recipient, um, naval intelligence at the end of his career, part of the greatest generation. He's no longer with us. He's in heaven. Rest in peace, Dad. But he had his life saved once by his guardian angel. Uh, He happened to be out at sea when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. 
shortly after that, his ship came under attack and it was sunk. And he went into the water, I want to say probably mid-afternoon on that day they were sunk, floated around in the water, hanging onto a piece of wood the rest of that day, all night long till uh, sun up the following day. By morning, he was so deathly ill because bobbing up and down on the water, who knows, he ingested a lot of seawater and there's oil and gas and God knows what else on the water. He was violently ill and a naval ship showed up to pick up survivors. And the greatest part about that story was nobody was supposed to come back because they were all given orders by um, the Navy not to go back because there was too much enemy in the area. But this one captain ignored orders. He went back. And the ship got as many people on board as they could, and they were getting ready to take off. And my dad still hadn't made it to the ship yet. He was still bobbing up in the water and just didn't have the strength to get there. He heard them give um, orders to get underway, and then he saw a piece of um, just a rope hanging off the ship laying in the water. And he decided, well, they're going to drag me back dead, but they're not going to leave me here. So he began to wrap the rope all around him, in between his legs, around his chest, everywhere. And he actually remembered hearing the ship's engines kick on and the ship start to move and him being pulled through the water. He heard a voice say, there's one more over the side. And he, he claimed, he looked up and he saw a very muscular sailor jump over the side of the ship and while hanging on with one hand reached down, grabbed him by the scruff of the neck, picked him up and threw him onto the deck of the ship where my dad landed and passed out for probably 48 hours. He woke up uh, with like a makeshift tent over him and some corpsmen were working on him. But when he was well enough to get around, he scoured that ship everywhere looking for this sailor to uh, thank him for saving his life. Not only could he not find the sailor, he couldn't find anybody that could tell him you know, oh, that description, it's this guy. Nobody fit the description on the ship. Nobody even saw the incident. It was like once my father wasn't there, then he was there. So my father told the story many, many times, very credible witness. He was convinced that was his guardian angel, and, and everybody in the family believed that and still believes it to this day that that was his guardian angel. Well, fast forward, he meets my mother in Brazil. She comes from a long line of devoutly Catholic and spiritual people. She comes from a little village in the north of Bahia in the mountains above uh, Rio. And it's uh, called Cruz de Zalms. And there's no veil there. The dead walk among the living as though it's just normal. So that that's her background. Very sensitive uh, person. And um, they had my two older sisters, then came back to the States from Brazil. My father's overseas. He's still in the Navy, and he comes down with uh, a terrible disease overseas. I know two of them were spinal meningitis and cephalitis, among a few other things, but at that time, there was no cure for these. It was a death sentence. So they somehow rushed him back to the States, and he was actually on his deathbed in the uh, hospital, in and out of a coma. And when he was not in the coma, he was out of his mind you know, wanting to hurt himself and hurt people. So they had him strapped to the bed. My mom receives a call from the base doctor saying, if you want to see your husband alive again, you got to come now because he'll probably be dead by morning. So she found a neighbor to watch my sisters who were very, very young at the time, little girls. And on her way to the hospital, she stops at the church on base. And she goes in there now. The birth of my second oldest sister was very difficult, and my my mom was advised never to try to have any more children because her and or the baby probably wouldn't make, wouldn't survive the pregnancy. So there was no plans for that in the family. But she petitioned to St. Jude to petition on her behalf to God to please spare my father's life. And if she made a deal with him, I don't advise anybody trying to make a deal with God, but you know, she she made a deal with him and said, if you spare my husband's life, I will from this day on, whenever I go to church, I'll do it on my hands and knees. And I'll have another child. She went to the hospital. My dad was in a coma, tied to the bed. She fell asleep at his bedside. And in the morning when she woke up, he was sitting up totally normal, just staring at her. Asked her, what am I doing in this hospital strapped to the bed? What's going on? Well, she 
freaked out, screamed for the doctors and the nurses to come in. They came in. They were very surprised, too. They ran every test imaginable on him and couldn't find any trace of any of the diseases in him any longer. So my mom kept her end of the bargain until she was too old and physically unable. And she's also in heaven. Mom, rest in peace. Until she was too old and physically unable to do it any longer. Whenever she went to church, she did it on her hands and knees. And she had another child. Ta-da! Yours truly. <laughs> and, um, you know, I started seeing ghosts when I was very, very young. And it freaked me out. And the only person I could confide in was my mom. And she told me not to be afraid of ghosts. That they're just people that don't have a body anymore. And if they appear to me, ask them if I can help you. And if you can, great. If you can't, just ask them to please tell them you can't help them and to please, you know, be on their way and leave you alone. Rest in peace and, and be, be on your way. So that turned into my sisters living in a haunted home when they were in college. And I went over there to spend the night and came face to face with the ghost that was in their home. And the next thing I know, I'm sort of kind of working a paranormal case in my sister's home as this, as a 10-year-old kid, kind of introduced to it that way, and I never looked back. But 40 years of that, uh, time flew. I never, ever worked a case where something really dark or malevolent or, God forbid, demonic was there until after I, 15-plus years ago, my wife met. My wife and I met, we fell in love, got married, we started Ghost Beyond Up Is. A few years after that, we went to work a case one night, and we didn't really know what we were doing as far as, like, seances and stuff went. And we, I don't know if this is what brought the wrath down on us, but we worked with a Ouija board, and I don't think we did it right. And something followed us home from this case. This case was a uh, a newlywed couple, and the the girl... The the wife was basically being raped by an unseen force right in front of her husband. And every time he tried to intervene, he would get attacked. And then the attacks got worse, you know, if, when she was in the shower or sitting on the couch watching TV or right in front of guests if they, they had a little party or a gathering at the house. And so whatever was there, when we were going home that night, it's about three in the morning and, and Sharon's phone rings. But there's no caller, there's no number on the caller ID. And I told her just to go ahead and answer it anyway. And there was nobody there. But as soon as we got home and went to sleep, it started. And whatever was at the home followed us home and took up residence in our house for about eight weeks. And it was, um, we basically, I tell people, for that eight weeks, we lived in hell. And that uh, that attack that assault on us basically was targeted at my wife and it left her with three very rare forms of cancer um squamous cell carcinoma of the tongue uh medullary thyroid cancer which is the worst of the two it spreads and there's no cure for it uh that also spread all through her lymph nodes in her neck and throat cancer so she was given the the uh, Pretty much, she's not going to survive this. I mean, she didn't speak for months, couldn't swallow water, had a feeding tube in for over a year, uh, 35 straight treatments of radiation from the shoulders up, uh, eight weeks of chemo, which almost killed her. They had to stick her in isolation ward for a while. Now, she didn't drink or smoke, didn't have any history of cancer in her family. This was an insidious demonic attack that... Um, it was meant to take my wife from me. They're gangsters. So I was the target, but they're, you know, they're going after what I love. And so I took a page, you know, many nights I went to sleep next to my wife in bed, thoroughly convinced I was going to wake up in the morning next to a dead woman, because that's just, there were some nights where she was just that bad. And I took a page out of my mom's, um, uh, book. And I remembered what she did when my father was sick and on a couple of these nights when my wife was just out of it, because she, you name it, and that's what she was on as far as pain medicine went. Fentanyl patches, you name it. And so I snuck out of the house and went to an all-night chapel around the corner. 
and crawled on many nights, crawled on my hands and knees from the front door to the altar, threw myself on the altar and begged for Sharon's life. Long story short, it's been five, six years now, and uh, she's still here. And the latest CT and MRI show no metastasis of any of the cancers anywhere in her body. Oh, my gosh. So that is I just owe, great. I owe God a big one. And I reached out to the paranormal community during this attack, during these years, these years where I was at war. I reached out to the paranormal community and met my then mentor who took me under her wing. She was an exorcist and uh, she, she helped me fight this thing out of here. And she saw something in me that I didn't see and said, this is your calling. And I said, you're out of your mind. I'm done. But I remembered my mom saying one day you're going to do something great for God. And I get, it was like being hit by lightning. I, I just knew that that was it. And so um, I went on to finish my training and become ordained. And now that seems like that's the only cases that come across our desk now. So I think I feel in my heart of hearts that I was created to do this. And it was already all written down in the books long before I even got here that I would be doing this, what I'm doing today. And uh, so that is the abridged version. Well, that's, oh, I can't, uh, you know, I, my mouth is still open from back, back to your dad. I mean, that's a Clint Eastwood movie there, a John Wayne movie there, him hanging on the side of the boat. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I, my dad was a great guy. And he's, uh, when you trace his uh, heritage back, I mean, we're talking, we believe a Knight Templar with the last name of Le Fleming left uh, France when they were, um, under attack and they were breaking up the Templars and he went, he started Clan Douglas in Scotland. Clan Douglas turned into Whittingham. Whittingham clan turned into the Whittington clan. And so it goes way back, but there's so many warriors for Christ. I mean, Whittington Castle, they believed that the Holy Grail was buried there. And the Lords of Whittington, they're believed to have worked hand in hand with the Knights of the Round Table, which a lot of people when I tell them that, they laugh and go, that's just a fairy tale. No, that was very real. Those Absolutely. nights were very real. Yes. And um, so it's just, you know, I've somewhere, somehow I've been here before and done this dance. And I just, I just know I was uh, meant to be here doing this. So tell me, how did you start the radio show then? So you began, you began to uh, really do these cases, and then the radio show came along. This is years after, uh, after uh, you know, my wife started getting better, mm -hmm. seeing a light at the end of the tunnel, and you know, I worked a few cases. You know, that first case after my wife was under attack. You some some investigators who do what I do, deliverance ministers, exorcists, what have you, may go their whole career and never have a legitimate demonic case. I worked the next nine cases in a row, which were all demonic. And my theory was everybody that all these clients knew each other, either professionally or personally, and they all came to me for help. And all the attacks and hauntings were exactly the same. And they led up to... I want to say uh, probably the seventh case, I came under extreme attack and almost died. And it was such a frightening attack that I left the field for about a year. I was done. I wasn't going to go back. And then the following case, I was talked into working by a pastor friend of mine. And it was on that case that I had a vision of the Holy Spirit. And the very next case was a uh, possession case. And I took authority over an exorcism on that case, and I actually saw a vision of Christ on the cross during a very uh, rough part of that exorcism when, once again, I was under attack. But I was really depressed one night, and I told Sharon, you know what? Uh, Sharon's 16 years older than me. I'm getting ready to turn 60 next month. Um, we both feel great, you know, and we both plan to be around for a long time, but... I, I'm like, you know, I'm a hardworking guy. I work at an animal hospital. I'm a vet tech. She's the office manager at the same animal hospital. 
we pretty much survive from paycheck to paycheck. We take take some donations uh, for the work we do, the ministry work we do, but we don't charge for anything. So I was depressed one night, like, you know what? Before I know it, this is I'm going to be too old to do any traveling. I can't afford to quit my job and just travel around the country going to all these paracons and paranormal conventions, meeting all these really cool people in the field that I admire and respect and want to meet. It's really depressing. She said, well, I mean, you know, without missing a beat, she goes, why don't you do a radio show? And I thought that was the funniest thing anybody could have ever said to me. I thought she was joking at first. She said, no, I'm serious. Call Tina at KCOR and run the idea past her. I was positive Tina would just drop the phone laughing. But she said, well, why don't we get together for a cup of coffee at the casino right around the corner from me? And um, there's some things I want to go over and talk to you about anyway. And she showed up at this meeting with a contract. So apparently she saw something in me that I didn't see in me. And I started the show actually in October of 2015. So I'm getting ready next month to celebrate my four-year anniversary there. But the show, I guess, is doing well. You know, I never ask her what my numbers are or how things are going. I haven't been kicked off the network yet. Um, and I enjoy doing what, I'm, doing what I'm doing. You know, I get nervous before the show starts, and I want to do a good show and have good guests on, and people. I want people to enjoy the show. And and so almost four years later, I'm still doing it. But it was my wife's idea, and uh, I guess I, when I see her later, I can thank her for that too. That's a great story. Did you uh, did you guys meet at the vet? No, we met. We were set up on a blind date, believe it or not. Oh, my but gosh. Neither one of us knew it. Uh, we had a mutual friend that invited me to go up to Mount Charleston to see a friend of ours play music. And she also invited Sharon. But she didn't tell Sharon about me and didn't tell me about Sharon. But it was just so weird when we met each other. We just uh, – it was like uh, – uh, it, it was just, it was, we knew it was meant to be. I knew I've known her in, in, in a previous life. I, I could tell that too. And, um, so it just, we just hit it off. I knew that she was a near death experience survivor. I knew she was a sensitive intuitive. I knew she loved, um, the paranormal. And, uh, that was just a chance meeting. And it was just, uh, I could just tell it was meant to be and the rest is history. A chance, but not a chance. I like it, and no, and no pressure, no pressure. <laughs> I like no, it. Oh, you know, it was uh, just one of those things. My our friend uh, Nikki set us up, and God bless her. She's fighting rectal cancer right now, but she's doing good, and we pray for her every day. And she knows where we're at, and she knows we love her, and um, and so she'll 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 beat that. She's a very talented woman too. In her own right, she used to. Uh, she does what like Siegfried and Roy does, trains and works with uh, uh, wild animals like lions and tigers and bears, oh my, and all that good stuff, and trains them to perform and stuff. But she uh, has had a rough time here as of late with her cancer issue, so she's in our prayers. But I know she's going to come through. Yes, and I and I'm so glad that Sharon is is doing better. But you know, I have to ask you this question. We've got a couple minutes here before we go to the break, but can you explain to people who don't know what is a deliverance minister? Um, we're just, I like to think of it this way. The demonic are just bullies. And when people are under demonic attack, they have just pretty much lost their mind. Their world is turned upside down. They're actually fighting for their lives. That's the difference between a ha working a regular haunting and working a demonic case. One, you got to just somehow convince the spirit to move on or make a deal with them to coexist happily with the family that's in the home. Or in demonics, there's no, there's no gray area. There's no uh, negotiating. Uh, it's life and death. They, they are there, and they're going to take somebody with them. So... Um, you just have to put your arm around these people, draw your, help them draw their line in the sand and stand up to these bullies and be there with them and help them stand up to these bullies. And that usually is all it 
not all of it it takes, but that goes a long way with people that really, really need help in those types of situations just to have somebody that believes in what they're going through and is there to help them fight. And the deliverance is to deliver them from this oppression that they're under or, God forbid, possession. You're delivering them from that. You're performing an exorcism or um, uh, something of that nature or you're you're exorcising the home or the property and getting whatever has, you know – it's like a cancer, you know, whatever has gotten into this home that is, you know, um, trying to destroy that family, you're delivering it from from that. You're taking it away from that location, from these, you know, having its grasps in these people. So, and delivering the people from that, too. Right. Okay. Well, I've got some questions for you when we come back. So it'll just be... A couple minutes, we will be right back with Reverend Sean here on KKNW. Thank you so much. Come on back. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mance and Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world-famed, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is manceandmitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Right now. Doctors Without Borders medical teams are operating in some of the most remote and dangerous corners of the world. When front yards become front lines, when disaster erupts, when disease rages, when communities collapse under crisis, at the crossroads of conflict and epidemic, where there are no hospitals, that's where we operate. We go where conditions are the worst because that's where we're needed most. In nearly 70 countries, we're saving lives threatened by violence, disease, malnutrition, and catastrophic events. Donors are vital to our mission. Your response is critical to our response in places where a few others will go. That's where we operate. Learn more at doctorswithoutborders.org. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We're a couple of baby boomers who bring you a talk radio mix of metaphysics and music, politics, and pop culture. And you never know which celebrity will join us for an interesting conversation. Mance and Mitchell is Boomer HQ, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on 1150 AM KKNW. Your home for alternative talk in Seattle and Western Washington. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. Hey, we're back on the Manson Mitchell Show. Gary and Suzanne will be back probably next week. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow at 10 o'clock also to hear a different show, a Manson Mitchell program. I'm not sure who will be on tomorrow, but don't forget to do that. So we are back with Reverend Sean. So what he's going to do now is tell us a little bit about what it looks like when he's coming up to a house that has an issue, what it's like really to go up against the demon. So, Reverend Sean, go ahead and tell us about this. Well, um, I have been blessed with uh, a gift, a certain type of gift of discernment where I can see and hear the demons. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. The first thing they want to do is get in my ear and start telling me what they're going to do to Sharon if we don't leave. They're always going after the people you love or what they're going to do to the client if I don't leave. But homes that are under extreme infestation look a lot different to me. When I pull up, it can be high noon here in Vegas, and I I'm looking at a home under demonic infestation, and it looks like I'm staring at the home with sunglasses on. 
So I already kind of know. And when I get to the front door, uh, I can really tell. And I don't do religious provocation because um, there are the whatever's in there is already provoked enough that I've shown up. My biggest, and I don't have any magical powers. It's not me. I've I've been blessed to be able to be a vessel to be used to allow the Holy Spirit and warrior angels to come through and do what they need to do to bring some type of resolution, uh, divine intervention and resolution to this situation. But my biggest weapon is humility. So when the door opens up, I usually say some special prayers. And before I enter the home, I will crawl on my hands and knees over the threshold. And usually, most of the time, at that time, it sounds like a herd of pigs squealing and scattering and running and leaving the home. And my work's done. Well, of course, I have to finish the blessing and cleansing of the home and educate the people on how to make sure they don't do anything to allow these things back in. Because if you do and allow them back in, it's 10 times worse. So if I walk in there and I haven't heard the pig scurrying about and leaving, I find the person in the home under that roof that's the most oppressed or, God forbid, possessed. I'll sit them down and I'll actually wash their feet with my own hands in holy water, which um, is what Christ did to his apostles and his disciples many times to show humility. And then usually by that time, um, whatever's there has left. If somebody is already um, possessed, God forbid, usually that that stuff hasn't really doesn't do much of doesn't do much other than just really uh, make them start to uh, what we call perform the parlor tricks. You start getting a lot of, you know, sometimes every window, every cabinet door, every closet door, every bedroom door starts opening and slamming all at the same time in a home. It can be deafening. It can be so loud you can't even I can't even say anything to Sharon and she can hear what I'm saying. You just have to ride that storm out and then you actually have to you have to go ahead and you have to prepare to perform the exorcism. You know, there's there's a lot involved in that. I'm already fast forwarding to probably, you know, several visits into this location. It's not a first visit. I go in prepared to do an exorcism. So there's uh, they've are the clients have already read and filled out an intake form. They've already been interviewed by me a couple of times. I've already been there at least a couple of times. And if we do perform the exorcism, I have to have all the family sign off on that. And I also have to have people with me to help, like prayer warriors, a couple of people that are familiar with the rights who can take over for me if I get hurt. If it's a female client, I need females there to help her. If she vomits and you know defecates and urinates all over herself, I need females to take her to the bathroom and help clean her up, not men. And the same flip side of that coin, if it's a man and he, you know, vomits all over himself and defecates and urinates all over himself. I need other men to take him into the restroom and help clean him up. So there's, there's, it's, there's, there's a lot involved and every single one is different. And, uh, am I successful at every single one? Absolutely not. And that's heartbreaking too. But, um, when you are successful, it's, um, it's unlike anything, uh, that I can adequately describe with words. It's, 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 a, it's a beautiful thing. Well, I have a question. I bet other people are thinking the same question as me. How is it that the demons single them out in the first place? Most of the time, oh, and clients hate it when you, when you tell them this. Most of the times, they have done something. They're, first of all, they're everywhere. If people could put on a special set of glasses like in that movie They Live and see all the demons that are around, uh, it would be horrifying uh, to the average person. They're everywhere. So they're always watching, listening, and you'd be surprised the things that you may do even unknowingly that gives these things the idea that you've given them permission and invited them in to attach to you. But one thing I have to say, though, I don't mean to interrupt you, is I want to put it out there. 
I personally can see all of the flip side along with that, too. So when I go out in public or right here in the in this room, I can see all the holy ones, too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so as long as you're aligned with them, that helps a little bit, does it not? Absolutely. And I and I'd like to uh, if I wasn't in line with them, I, I would be would not be doing what I'm doing. Yes, sir. I know but you are. Most, most people have somehow brought it down on themselves or maybe it's a transgenerational curse that's attached to the family or um or or something like that it's like i worked a case once where the young girl you know she was you know it's in the book the one case where the girl's in the wheelchair yes you know her uh her mother told her the story of how her father who was dead at the time when i met the mother and the daughter father already passed on long before that but he was a devil worshiper and mom told the daughter that, you know, when we were making love and I conceived you, he offered you up to Satan. And so she spent her whole life. Um, everybody thought she had, um, uh, I don't even remember what uh, some of the diagnoses were. And if the diagnoses were right, that's okay. But after the exorcism, uh, she got up and walked out of that wheelchair and uh, they've moved to another state, but the last time I talked to the mother, she's doing good, riding a bicycle, you know, walking around the neighborhood like, like a regular person, um, in, in enjoying life now, you know. So what do you do to protect your own self before you go in and while you're having it happen? Well, a lot of, you know, I, I pray a lot uh, to whoever will listen, St. Jude, St. Michael, uh, the Virgin Mary, um, God, Jesus, whoever will listen. I'm always in constant prayer. I try to be a good person. You know, I'm only human. I make mistakes. I've got my issues. I still sin. But I try to be as good a person as I can be. And um, I wear a lot of things that are protective. Like, I buy a lot of things that are made at the Vatican and the Pope has laid hands on and blessed. And when they get to me, I don't go out and work cases without wearing some of these things as necklaces or bracelets or at least having them on my person somewhere and uh, and just being prepared and just being careful. Have I been so scared at some locations in some cases that I had to leave? Absolutely. Um, you know, don't be so proud that you think um, nothing can hurt you. I know that these things can hurt you. They can kill you. And um, I, I keep that in the back of my mind all the time, too. You've got to have a healthy fear. Some of my colleagues don't like it when I say that. They're all, no, if you know that you walk with Christ, you shouldn't have any fear. Well, that, that's the human part in me. I'm sorry. Uh, some of the things I've seen and experienced and had happen to me personally and my wife, I, I'm going to hold on to a healthy fear so that I don't um, – make anything worse when I'm at a location. That's the last thing I want to do right. is make anything worse and have, you know, Sharon go through what she went through again or my client to go through that. Yes. Uh, I can, I, can you tell me, how did you get to the point of writing your book? That I'll, I don't know. Uh, um, I can't, I still can't believe I, I did that. Definitely influenced by spirit definitely helped by spirit all the way through the writing of that. And if I didn't have that help, I don't think I could have accomplished that. I didn't want the book, you know, it's, I always use the term abridged version. The book could have been a lot bigger and I may do another one, but uh, I didn't want people to go to the bookshelf and see this book that looked like war and peace. That's a turnoff. <laughs> and so I, you know what it is, what it is. But I haven't had anybody knock on my door and throw the book back in my face or call me up and tell me they hated it. And you're not the only one that thought it was scary. Annette Munich, who's the owner of Stellium Books, my publisher, uh, publishing and editing this book caused her to completely go out of the genre. She now does things like poetry and love stories and oh my children's books. Yeah. True story. That's crazy. So, well, it is a scary book. It's good. It's good though. It held my interest. <laughs> <laughs> it is scary, but I like to think of it as a very different type of 
uh, feel-good story. There's a lot of, you know, evil doesn't always win in every situation in that book. Right. I, I love that. So is it okay with you? You know, we've got a few minutes. We don't have very many minutes, but if somebody wants to ask Reverend Sean a question, please call 425-373-5527 or 888-298-KKNW, which is 5569. So everybody, if anybody wants to just ask a quick question, you can, but I still have questions, of course. So I think you've got another book in you. I really do. You are a very interesting guy. But I think you also have an awful lot of radio left in you, too. Who was your favorite, favorite guest on the radio? <laughs> oh, you're going to do that to me, huh? No, I yeah, because uh, I have my favorite guest, so you tell me. I, I Honestly, this, is, this comes from the heart. I loved everybody because, you know, what I try to do— most, I have a little secret, and you can steal the secret if you want. Or okay. Anybody listening does radio can steal the secret. My secret is they're always already friends of mine that I invite on to be guests. Yes. We've already known each other, even if it's just on Facebook, and we've sent a lot of private messages back and forth and talked a little bit, never in person. Uh, there are already people that are comfortable with me, and I'm comfortable with them, and we know each other, and we're friends. Those are the kind of people that um, I invite to be guests on the show. And um, I'm excited about the new show. It, it's actually the Monday night show is K, is Vegas Supernatural on KCORradio.com. But this uh, a week from this Sunday, Sunday, October 6th at 5 p.m. Pacific every Sunday on the spiritrealm.net and the Spirit Realm Network Facebook Live page. I'm doing another show called... Reverend Sean Whittington's Paranormal Ministry. And that's going to be on camera. It'll be my first show where it's actually live on camera. And it's going to be televised from my home here, which my home is very haunted. I'll be actually doing every Sunday's broadcast from probably the most haunted area in my home, which is right here at my desk where my wife sees my doppelganger all the time sitting here. And I'm either not home or I'm in another area of the house doing something. So that's interesting. So I'm I'm excited about that. But I think the thing that I'm most proud of is is over the years I have met doing what I do, I have met some truly gifted people that they either have been also called to this ministry or they have a hunger to just want to be prepared and armed and then have the knowledge to be able to fend for themselves and fight for others close to them, God forbid they come under demonic attack. So I many years ago, I started the Worldwide Society of Exorcists, and I do I uh, teach a 12-week online course, Introduction to Spiritual Warfare, uh, through that society. And graduates uh, automatically get a lifetime membership into the Worldwide Society of Exorcists, what you do with that is up to you. If you are a, uh, if you're an exorcist, great. If you just want to have that knowledge and keep it with you and spread the word of God and spread that knowledge on how to uh, beat off the demonic, that's okay too. But um, the diplomas, oh my gosh, I had searched high and low for people that have designed diplomas for, um, you know higher establishments of learning for many years. And these diplomas that that my students earn uh, if they graduate are stunning. They're beautiful. And it's only a 12-week course. I send out an initial course study package. They're required to buy like three more books online, which are inexpensive. Six weeks in, I give them a true-false test. I email to them. And 12 weeks in, I email them a multiple-choice test. And if they pass, I send them a lot of interesting parting gifts that only students get along with their diploma and they're a, a lifelong member of the worldwide society of exorcists and they can uh, enroll for the class at the ghostbegone.biz website um, there's icons at the top of the home page and just click on the school book page and at the bottom of that page is um, you can just go ahead and register and join the class if you want so i'm really proud of that because i've met some really blessed people that have been called to this ministry during the time that I started teaching um, that course. 
So for all my past students that have already graduated, I've got plenty that are currently taking the course and some that I'm talking to right now about um, registering. Everyone listening, pray for them too because those will ultimately be um, the people that will be the first that walk in that um, neutral zone between our world and hell when you know what hits the hits the fan one of these days and I think we all know that that's coming too. Well, I sure hope people that are listening to you today tune into your radio show because you have the best opening music and effects on any show I know. <laughs> and I love it's so funny that listening to your show here today that song the who as it happens to be one of my wife's favorite songs. She got she fell in love with the who when she was younger, of course. But like, for instance, when CSI came out, and that was big. That was their song, too. That was the CSI song. So it was so funny. I was talking about Sharon, and all of a sudden you guys played that music, and that was one of her favorite songs. So it's just kind of funny. A little, little signal to me. Yes, I, I like that song, and I, I ask wherever I go that they play that song for me because it kind of gets me in the spirit of talking to people. You know, the spirit of talking to people. Well, you know, Halloween is coming up. That is my season. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I actually really do like to go to haunted houses. But I told my husband this year I haven't been feeling so good. So he's he doesn't have to go. He really hates him. He really does because <laughs> he gets scared easy. Uh, and, you know, now he knows that these things are actually real. He's been with me on a few of them. And uh, it, it, it is nothing to is nothing to mess around with, but I do like to go and, and have stuff jump out at me every once in a while. So I'm looking forward to Halloween. But uh, I just want you to say anything else that you'd like to leave people with. We've got a few more minutes here, and I want you to just get everything out that you wanted to because these might be new people for you. And I think it's well, an exciting subject. Just, I just want people to know. Hope you know if they if they tuned in today, they've already got a healthy respect for the dark side, and and they already know that that exists. You don't have to be Catholic. You don't have to be Christian. I've had people from every form of religion, religious belief system, come to me for help at one time or another. Uh, why? Because they go to reach for out for help in their own church and they can't find it. And I'll help anybody. I don't judge, um, you know. But uh, just remember, uh, they're always around. Just try to be a better version of yourself tomorrow than you were today and so on and so on. Learn some prayers. Just try to be a good person. Stop the violence. Really, it's hard, even for me. Work on turning the other cheek. It's hard, but work on being able to forgive more, turn the other cheek, and um, because things are just so ugly and violent out there right now, and that's uh, the uh, the whole world is under attack right now, and we need to even if it's one by one, I can get some people to kind of turn around a little bit against that. That will help. But um, even, you know, you, if you believe in the dark side, you believe in something of love and light that's more powerful, that's above us, watching over all of us, whether it's our actual creator or or or, or not or whatever that is. If, if it's the same God that I believe in and pray to, I have Native American friends all the time, and I ask them, do we pray to the same God? And they just shrug their shoulders. Well, I don't know. We You know, probably, but. You know, we're not Catholic, so right. it's okay, you know, but just... Uh, That's why I just say the holy ones. And, you know, I actually think the light is one. It's just earth is catching up. So I believe fervently that the light is one. And I believe that if you live your life like it's going to be okay, the better the road is ahead, is, is the better road is ahead. So... I know that there's a lot of uh, dastardly things going on out there, but I believe the light is one. So I want to leave people with that. And um, I just think it's fascinating to talk to you because you see some stuff that other people don't in, in their natural daily life. And uh, we don't want to forget about that. We don't want to forget that that is out there and people need our help because people need the support of other folks. And I think gratitude's the where to start. Being grateful every day raises your energy up, does it not? Absolutely. 
Yeah. And so I, I'm grateful from the moment I open my eyes, I begin to talk to the holy ones because they're right there in the room with me. I ask them in, of course, they don't hang around during sleep because those folks will wake you up. <laughs> have, have you and I, you're in Washington, have you and I had a good Bigfoot discussion lately? Not lately, but I have a Bigfoot guy for you, so we'll have to get together. <laughs> yeah, you're right there in Bigfoot country. I've had a bunch of those guys on uh, as guests, and uh, I used to never be into them. I never even gave them much thought other than watched a couple of movies that had Bigfoot in it growing up. But uh, now I'm just, uh, I'm intrigued by by that whole topic, and some of these guys are just uh, they've spent most of their adult lives researching this thing and some of the evidence and stuff that they've come up with. Um, it's just pretty amazing. Um, it's fascinating. Our, uh, we have a friend who's a Bigfoot expert and uh, goes out on those types of expeditions just to say hello a little closer. And uh, he is just very kind and loving. And I believe they call him uh, Bigfoot. Is it is it Big Uncle or Big Brother? I can't remember. He comes from sort of a a native background, and uh, it was really fun talking to him, so maybe I can hook you up. He's got a, a distinct uh, perspective, and I interviewed him when I was here on KKNW a while back. But um, So I'm just I'm going to thank you now so much, Sean, for coming on, and I hope everybody tunes in to KCOR Radio to hear you online and, and listens for the new show and buys the book God, Ghosts, and the Paranormal Ministry, and that's under the name Sean Whittington. He is Rev Sean, so... Everybody, I thank you so very much for tuning in. And you know my next uh, show, my next trick, <laughs> is going to be uh, on the Shungite, with the Shungite people. <laughs> Everybody knows Derek and Maureen Condit uh, from up north. They have a beautiful new store, and they also have that lovely radio station that I'm going to be taking part. So if you want to look at my info, it's under Metaphysical Meltdown. And I'm still going to be around, folks, because I can't I can't lose radio. I love you guys too much. So I think I might be a little early signing off. I got a couple minutes. But I just want to remind you, too, don't forget about Emerald Spiral this weekend. Um, and just to say one more thing, too, uh, those particular metaphysical stores that are popping up now and the metaphysical fairs and that sort of thing, please stop by because there is... Just about one person, one type of vendor or one type of provider for every person with every problem out there. And I believe that there's a time and a place for therapy and and nutritional help and all that. But sometimes, by golly, you just need a higher look. So if you need a higher look or a little bit of help because you've got something going on in your house or you've got something going on in your heart, maybe you want to know uh, who's coming up in this new year. And uh, I, w- I would ask you, please, to come on in to, um, to um, Emerald Spiral this weekend or any of the lovely new places that have been popping up, including uh, Derek and uh, Maureen's place up north. So thanks, everybody, for stopping by to talk to Reverend Sean today. And uh, I will see you again out there on the ethers. And I'm Mary Beckman. I am your rock and roll psychic, and you can find me at marybeckman.com. Have a great day, everybody. Don't forget to tune in. Uh, again tomorrow to Manson Mitchell. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.